one for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does. Good to have you with us on this Friday. I, I, I know I say this every week. I can't believe it's already Friday. A lot to do over the next 60 minutes. We'll be joined by Tino Patino, our NASCAR betting insider, the man of the gold jacket. Uh, he'll join us coming up. Uh, odds and ends, something to consider. How about Clay Thompson? Are the Warriors back? Got to start asking that question uh, after this recent stretch. I think they've won like seven out of eight or seven out of their last eight, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, we'll get into that as well. Uh, Also, Tiger Woods. Pains me to say it. Is he becoming a ceremonial golfer at this point? We'll talk about it. Uh, But we start things out in women's college basketball. When was the last time you've ever heard us say that? Sam Yarnell is with us. I don't think we've ever started the show with women's college basketball. But I think it's a fair question to start asking after the 49-point effort of Caitlin Clark last night. And I am not one that is want for hyperbole. Anybody who watches this show knows I don't do hyperbole. Very very rarely might it happen. Because there's enough shows that hyperventilate over every single thing, over every minute of the day, because we have this 365-day, 24-hour, 7-day-a-week sports media culture. But Sam, I think it's fair to ask this question. Is she the biggest thing in all of basketball right now? Not women's, not college, not men's, not just basketball, period. She had 49 last night. She's hitting shots from the logo. If this was anybody, if this was a male player, it would lead every broadcast every night what she's doing. She's now the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball history. She's got a shot to do it for the men as well in breaking uh, Pete Maravich's uh, once thought of his untouchable record. We have, we have to start asking the question, when it comes to Caitlin Clark, is she just the biggest thing in all of basketball right now? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I mean, she's the great. I, I think it's been fairly stated at this point in her career that she's probably the greatest women's basketball player of all time. Uh, I'm very excited to see her in the in the WNBA. I don't think that it'll be close between her and you know the legends that we talk about: Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi. I think Caitlin Clark is. You know, steps ahead of both of them. Of I'd all be curious. Of the- I'll be curious to talk, and I want to get somebody on the show next week. I'm going to make it a priority. We're going to be off on Monday, by the way. Not off, but I'm not doing the show live on Monday the way we do it the rest of the week because uh, it's President's Day, and I'm taking a day off. So I, I won't be on in my usual, um, won't be recording the show as usual on Monday. We'll have a sort of best of aggregate programming, but. I want to get somebody on next week who covers the WNBA, who's really into it. Maybe maybe I'll reach out to Ryan Rucco uh, from ESPN because he, he, he does uh, a lot of WNBA. Because I'm curious what she translates to at the next level. She's not going to dominate like this. I mean, she's, not gonna, she's just not going to dominate the way we see her dominating right now. She's not going to be able to do that at the next level. She's just not. There's the talent there is <coughs> she's she's playing against the best of the best of the best. And she's not necessarily the largest 
um, you know, in terms of size and stature, she's going to get beat up pretty good. And she's going to have a target on her back. So I don't know what she translates to at the next level. That's that's exactly the same thing they said about Sabrina Ionescu. Oh, she had played in the Pac-12 in college. She didn't necessarily play the best competition, even though, by the way, the Pac-12, probably the best women's basketball conference. But people don't want to talk about that. Uh, the same thing with Sabrina Ionescu. The thing is, women's basketball is at a point where I think it's evolved past that. Much like we saw the men's game do in a much worse way about 10 years ago with the introduction of Steph Curry and the pulling up from literally anywhere on the floor and just shooting prayers and making a career out of that. Um, Caitlin Clark is not that. She's a multidimensional scorer. She's a half-decent defender, and she quite literally has the entire Iowa team on her back uh, leading them to be as good as they are, which we've seen yeah, as right now the number team. four team yeah. in the country was for the most of the the vast majority of the year, the number two team in the country. And the one time that they really got beat end to end on the floor was that Nebraska game where all Nebraska did the entire game was play a box and one and have one player follow Caitlin Clark and just make it a zone against the other four. It shut down the Iowa offense. Caitlin Clark is that much of a difference maker and there are just some numbers, Jason, that that blew my mind when I saw them this morning. So through her 126-game career with the Iowa Hawkeyes, Caitlin Clark has 3,569 points, 1,018 assists, 882 rebounds, 487 threes made. There's been not another <laughs> single human being in the NBA, WNBA, or NCAA that has gone on a 126 game stretch and put up any of those numbers. Caitlin Clark is a cheat code. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, and I, I'm anxious to see at the next level and, and look, take all that away, strip that away for a second here, just from a women's professional basketball standpoint and women's basketball standpoint. And we're seeing ESPN starting to lean into it. Peacock, who gets to carry some of her games. Fox Sports, FS1 has carried some of their games. At the next level, is she going to be must-see TV? Will she be pushed forward in these summer months when all you've got on is basically baseball and some NBA, which bleeds into the summer a little bit? Is she going to be pushed? Are they going to try to use this to catapult the WNBA to a level that it really hasn't seen? The ratings have gone up. Yes, the numbers are getting better. Yes, the interest is getting better. The attendance numbers are getting better. She has the potential to push this thing into a stratosphere that it has not seen really ever in the history of the WNBA. If people are smart and lean into it, I'll give you the last word. You're exactly right, Jason, and that's a very good point. I hadn't even really considered that, that the dog days of summer, I, I'm going to pick watching Caitlin Clark against Sabrina Ionescu yeah. over the Washington Nationals, my beloved Washington Nationals, playing against the Oakland Athletics. I'd rather watch Clark and Ionescu. It's not, it's not really close. Well, we'll see how the WNBA does with it and what she translates to. Uh, at that next level. I can watch highlights of her all day. She's just, um, she's out of this world. All right, Sam will rejoin us coming up in a couple of minutes. On the other side, we'll talk Tino Patino, our NASCAR betting insider. Daytona 500 talk is next. 
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and it was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. We continue on this Friday edition of the show. Sam Yarnell will be back shortly. The guy we're talking to is a friend of Sam Yarnell. That must count for something. I don't know. We won't hold it against him. He's Tino Pizzino, Sirius XM NASCAR radio analyst. He is our NASCAR betting insider for the season as well. He hangs out with us on the program today to preview the Daytona 500. We had Chris Myers on the show yesterday uh, from Fox Sports to, to break it down. Uh, so you're in good company. See, Chris Myers one day, Tino Patino the next. You're in good company, my man. I was just talking to Tino off the air. I said, so you're going to Daytona? He's like, yeah. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. I might do this. I might do that. I was like, man, the advantages of youth. Just being able to say, hey, I'll just hop on a plane and go to the Daytona 500 and do whatever. Um, let's talk about the duels because there was one really cool story that came out of uh, the action um, with with the, with the duels, and that has to be one Jimmy Johnson, who's who's going to be racing in the Daytona 500. Talk about what he did at the duels and and sort of what we learned from the duels in general. 
Yeah, so insane storyline, like you mentioned. Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, one of the greatest drivers of all time, having to race his way in to the Daytona 500. And for those of you who may not know why he had to do that, well, he didn't qualify on speed. And it took a last lap pass against the driver who was also, he was racing against J.J. Yaley, who was trying to race his way into the Daytona 500 as well. For Jimmy to make it in and it was such an insane race because Jimmy was up there almost leading at one point he fell back spun around and was still able to make a push there towards the end and what's important to note is Jimmy got inducted to the NASCAR Hall of Fame this past offseason he will now be the first active Hall of Famer to be racing in the Cup Series and I think it's no one is more fitting than Jimmy to have that sort of recognition or honor to be racing now and being in the Hall of Fame as well and you know what we learned from the duels were that the Toyotas are fast and Jimmy's now racing in a Toyota. Crazy to see after he's been in Chevy all his career. But now he's got Legacy Motor Club, the team that he owns or co-owns with Richard Petty. And they've been building, and they've been building pretty well. They have Eric Jones on that squad, uh, John Hunter Nemechek as well, and then Jimmy's running a part-time schedule. So the Toyotas showed a lot of speed in the duels. Uh, we saw Tyler Reddick win the first one, Christopher Bell win the second, both Toyotas there. And it was interesting because we thought the Fords were going to sort of push the front. They showed a lot of speed in qualifying, swept the front row with Joey Logano winning the pole and Michael McDowell starting second in the Daytona 500. All other qualifying positions were up for grabs and the Fords just really did not show out. Chevys were there, but the Toyotas were definitely the storyline of the duels last night. And I mean, the new bodies are going to come into play definitely this season. They already started to show a little bit more speed this year, at least for the Toyotas. So Ford, Toyota, new bodies, Chevys, are staying the same and it seems like the speed is increasing for some uh, racers there as well um what does it say that somebody at his age you know for for jimmy johnson uh, just try to put it in, into perspective a guy who's you know who's won this race twice um you know what it sort of means for him even as a hall of famer that he still has that drive that push to try and 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 put himself in a position to even make the race yeah, I think that's it's huge for the sport because we're seeing someone with a big of name as him, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, racing still. And at this point, you know, he may be a long shot. He may be 60 to one to win the Daytona 500. Is that what he is? Might be, is? Is that what he is right yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he is right now. But to me, I think just to have him in the race is so important because he's crossing over generations. He's he's making his legacy, which, you know, he now owns Legacy Motor Club, so that's fitting. But um, I think with him racing now, it helps the old fans to be like, oh, hey, there's Jimmy. The new fans to be like, oh, there's my dad grew up, you know, watching Jimmy or whoever it may be. And I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for him. You know, he looks great. He's having fun doing it. He says it's a lot less pressure. And for him, to even, it's a, even if racing in a part-time schedule, a few races here and there, when Jimmy is running, you can look and be like, okay, well, here, here's how he's doing now. He, you know, and he won't be the same. He won't be racing, you know, for the win. Maybe we get lucky at Daytona and see him up front, but it's just great to see him out there, seeing how he's performing against these younger drivers and in the new car, especially who he hasn't had much experience in with the next gen car and the new bodies and everything like that. I think one thing that's important to note too sure. is I like when owners and drivers from these teams, right? Brad Kozlowski is one of them from RFK Racing. He co-owns his team, and he 
you when you race for the cars that you also own, I think it's going to provide an advantage for what help they may need, right? You don't see Rick Hendrick or uh, Roger Penske racing. So it's like how much of a sort of disconnect yes, is there between the drivers the and word. the crew and the owners? Yeah, disconnect yeah. is the word I'm looking at. Do you think that's something we'll see more of? Is because these are older racers that that own their that can do that. Do you think we'll see more of the younger drivers trying uh, it, who are successful early enough and have that cachet trying to do something similar to that? I think first thought is yes because of how successful you know a for money and b just Denny Hamlin's been able to do it with Michael Jordan. We talked about Jimmy Johnson and Brad Keselowski, but I think it's also very stressful because now these drivers have to worry about so many different things. Not only are you racing your own car and trying to win, but you're ra- you're potentially racing against the cars that you own <laughs> and trying to beat them in a race too. And Denny Hamlin talked about it on the NASCAR full speed, uh, Netflix documentary there. Like he wants to go out and win a championship, but he's also racing against the cars he owns to beat them so that they don't win a championship. And it kind of like is a conflict of interest and internal conflict and, and, you know, on the track if they get into an, you know, uh, uh, damage and get into an altercation with your boss, the guy who owns (laughs) the team. And it, it matters too. Like they think about that when they are racing, Oh my, the boss man's behind me, whether or not that in, you know, affects how they're racing is remains to be seen. It has to, it has to, it has to, I agree with that because they're not going to like, it's as if he's a teammate now. And for instance, like Denny Hamlin can be considered a teammate too, as he's a Toyota driver, the team he owns is Toyota racer. So in that standpoint, it does make sense, but I don't see the younger guys getting into it. I think they have to be a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, more experienced, being able to handle all that stress and pressure because we look at the guys that are doing it, Jimmy Johnson, Brad Kozowski, Denny Hamlin, you know, the best of the best right now that are, that are able to handle something like that. Tino Patino is hanging out with us, Sirius XM NASCAR radio analyst, also our betting insider uh, throughout this NASCAR season, which starts at the Daytona 500 on Sunday. We'll come back with him, talk about the betting aspect of things. Don't go anywhere. It's Sports Wrap on a Friday. Let's keep the conversation rolling, literally. Talking about the Daytona 500 on Sunday. Tino Pizzino is hanging out with us. Does a great job from SiriusXM NASCAR Radio our betting insider for NASCAR this season as well. Um, you know, look, two guys that I'm honing in on, not for not just from a betting standpoint, but from a storyline standpoint, one being Kyle Busch. He's never won this race. We know his history. Uh, I think you could call him the best driver in this field, never to win a Daytona 500. I don't think that's, I don't think that's being unfair at all. And then Chase Elliott. Let's start with Kyle Busch. Um, because of the obvious, and he knows he has to answer the questions um, every time he comes to this race as somebody who hasn't won a Daytona 500. Give us some sense of what would make this year any different from the failures of the past. Well, I think the fact that last year he was so close. He was leading the race at the final lap, going to get the white flag, and I had a ticket on him to win, and everything was looking great. 
And then a caution comes out, and we go to NASCAR overtime. And when you go to NASCAR overtime and your bet is in the lead, they're probably not going to stay there, especially at Daytona. So, I mean, for Kyle Busch, if he can replicate what he did last year to make it to the end, that's what's most important is being patient at 12 to 1, which he is to win this race. I love that value because of the storyline. It is his time. We saw last year when he moved to RCR in the Chevy, the number eight car, he showed a lot more speed at super speedways than he consistently has. He won at Talladega last year. So I think they can bring the setup, bring the data, the Chevy cars, and the bodies are staying the same. Ford and Toyota's change. I think that's going to benefit Kyle. More experience with that Chevy program. Had a whole offseason to regroup. Maybe not the uh, best finish to his season that he was looking for. So I'm looking for him to come out hungry in this one. And I think it's his time. Like, I'm going to put a bet on him to win the Daytona 500 this year based off what happened last year and based off of the fact that he is, like you said, the best driver in the field to not win a Daytona 500 this far. Um, And make sure to price shop. We always encourage people because, you know, I've seen him as I've seen him as low as plus a thousand. You're you're talking about him at twelve hundred. And who knows, as we get to the race on Sunday, you know, exactly where that price is going to be. Matter of fact, the one I'm looking at right now is Logano, Blaney, and Bush at a thousand. Then Keselowski and Denny Hamlin at eleven hundred, and then Kyle Larson at twelve. Uh, not mentioned in that list, and just below them is Chase Elliott, who's fifteen to one. Uh, obviously, at plus fifteen hundred, we know of the struggles last year. We know of the injury that sidelined him last year. Is is there a lot of pressure on him, not just for this race, but for the entire season, having gone winless last year, and 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 sort of getting back up on the beam here? I think there is pressure, and I think when you're someone like Chase Elliott, who is the most popular driver, races for the best team in the entire sport, I think that pressure is always there, and it's always going to be there. And especially with the standard he set up for himself, winning races early you know, in his career so far, winning a championship, being one of the best drivers in the sport, you have to have that pressure in order, and you, you need to execute. And they just didn't execute last year, obviously, injury and stuff like that happened. But towards the end of the year, they started to turn things around slowly. And I think, you know, Chase mentioned it. Uh, I heard him talking to press conference this week. Like, things just don't go away now that it's a new calendar year. They don't just be able to flip a switch. But in the duel yesterday, I saw him go off and be able to get back in traffic race his way back towards the front. He finished second in it. And I, I like that effort from Chase Elliott. I think that's a strong performance. I think the Hendrick Motorsports cars and the Chevys have enough sample size in the field where there will be help if a big one happens, if a wreck happens and it takes out a bunch of cars. There's enough people to work with in order for them to have enough cars at the end in order to get some help, some pushes towards the front. And that's really important in this one is if a crash happens, will you have teammates? Will you have friends out there that can help push you to the lead? Because with this being a super speedway race, that's what's going to happen. You need to be able to race in the pack push other cars towards the front, be a good pusher, be able to take good pushes. And it's tough, you know, we're talking about going 200 miles per hour and getting bumped drafted to the lead. But I think Chase specifically in this race, I like him to go out and have a good performance, set the tone for this year, and maybe even win it because he is the most popular driver. Put him back towards the forefront. Maybe NASCAR wants to see their guy, uh, you know, win this race here and be back to where he should be in terms of the standings. I've got about three minutes here. Give me some of the guys you like, some of the bets you're looking at uh, to, to sort of give some of our viewers. 
So I break these down for the Daytona 500 in three different sections. First, okay. the favorites from 9-1 to one to 12-1. to one. We see Denny Hamlin at 10-1. to one. He's the best super speedway racer right now. And also Ryan Blaney. But the key is with Blaney, he actually crashed in the duel, so he'll be going to a backup car at 11-1 with him having to come from the back to go all the way to the front. To me, I don't think the value is there anymore. I would have liked to see him move up a little bit, a little bit higher value there for Blaney. He is one of the best super speedway racers, defending champion. I don't see it happening this week with a backup car. Underdog. So we're looking at Michael McDowell, 18 to 1. William Byron, great value, 18 to 1 for him as well. Um, both cars are fast. They started up front, uh, will be starting up front, and in the duels, they showed a lot of speed. But my favorites here are going to be the higher value underdog, someone like Eric Jones at 30 to 1. He's racing for Jimmy Johnson's Legacy Motor Club. Toyota has the bigger sample size now. They have nine cars in the field, which is the most they've had in recent years compared to the six uh, that were in the field last year for the Daytona 500. So to me, I think Eric Jones could benefit off that. He's won at Daytona before and at that value of 30 to one when we saw in the duels him racing towards the front and things of that nature, able to navigate Tyler Reddick as well, 28 to one, and he won a dual race. So those are some drivers to keep in perspective there. And for some long shots, Corey LaJoy is 40 to one and He's a great super speedway racer. I actually got him at 65 to 1 earlier this week. Wow. The books, I feel like they just didn't price him right. Yeah. And so he he's not a driver that goes out and gets top 10s, but he does get top 15s, top 20s. You know, he is a underfunded program, underdog type of driver there. And I think he has a shot to get it done. And Jimmy Johnson's going to be the last one at 60 to <laughs> 1. I mean, seven-time champion, got to keep an eye on him. And he raced pretty well in a Toyota, made it into the duel. Let's see if we can have some fun with a long-shot Jimmy ticket. There. I only got about 20 seconds here. How do you feel about head-to-head -head betting when you see those? So I, I like it. I like to bet on all type of props. But in the Daytona 500 specifically in super speedway races, I feel like it's kind of a toss-up, right? Like It's a coin flip because – with the amount of things that can happen and the unpredictability of these type of races here, the super speedways, I tend to stay away from it a little bit just because the value isn't there. If someone good gets into a wreck or, you know, anything like that, that can happen. Maybe they're leading at the end like Kyle Busch and then overtime comes out. So to me, uh, I'd stay away from those type of props in this one just because the value is not really there. That's Tino Pizzino. Check him out over the weekend. He'll be down there uh, in Daytona doing who knows what. Uh, we'll follow back up with you next week. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me. We're coming back. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Thanks for being with us on this Friday edition of the show. Thanks again to Tino Patino for stopping by. Dude is a character, isn't he? <laughs> I still can't get over it. Asked him the story. Sam, you know Tino, so you'll appreciate this. But I asked him the question off the air. I said, so are you going down to Daytona? He goes, yeah, I'm probably just going to take a flight there. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I don't really know yet. I'm just going to fly down and see what happens. <laughs> I said the, the advantages of being young. You could just get on a plane and say, ah, 
I, you know, I'm just going to go to the Daytona 500. He's like, there's a bar stool party. I'm going to go and just hang out. I'm just like, really? Is he that big a deal in, in the, in those circles? Like he, he really knows his people there, doesn't he? So Tino, God, I love that kid. I miss oh, him. Bless his heart. Um, Tino is one of the more fun guys out there. Just one of those guys who's always down for a good time, no matter what it means, no matter where it takes him. <laughs> uh, example of that is, uh, gosh, back in early December, yeah, I, I was gifted tickets to the Bills Broncos Monday Night Football game, like yeah. the Monday before, right? Uh, and I was going to drive up through New Jersey and then through New York to get there. Um, from DC. Okay. And I made that the route because I texted Tino when I was offered the tickets and I said, Hey, I got tickets to a bills game. Like we went together last year. You want to go again this year? And he was like, yeah, for sure. So then, you know, figure I'm just going to meet him in Buffalo considering he lives on long Island and I live in DC, not exactly on the way. Right. Uh, hit him up again on Thursday. And I'm like, so what's your plan? When does your flight land? He was like, Oh, I thought you were just going to give me a ride. I thought you were going to pick me up. (laughs) Long story short, me and Tino spent like 10 hours in a car together one day driving across the state of New York to go to a Buffalo Bills game. But that's just the kind of guy he is. We just, he's always down for a good time, always down to uh, go on an adventure. Love him for that. He's awesome. Uh, Who was not awesome yesterday was Tiger Woods. Uh, I mean, look, he had five birdies on his round. Um, we told you, you know, bet the birdie, look at the birdie props. I liked six, Sam liked five. He came in with five. Um, so if you bet the, the tiger birdie prop for, for five, congratulations, but he had a shankopotamus. He was, he, on his 18th hole yesterday, Tiger Woods shanked a shot and it was hard to watch. It was, it was tough to say. He pulled a Sam Yarnell. Now, and I, I have no reason to doubt him. He said he was having terrible back spasms throughout the round that were a factor um, and, and obviously affected his play. But what was more amazing wasn't the shank. It was the rescue shot he hit after the shank where he curled it around a tree and put it to within makeable par range. He didn't make the putt. And he finished one over on his round, and we'll see what he does today um, for, as far as the weekend is concerned for the Genesis uh, Invitational. He looked like he's still driving it pretty well. He's hitting it a long way. But here's, a, I think, a fair question to ask. And again, pains me to ask this question because Tiger has always said he would never be a ceremonial golfer. But isn't that sort of what he's becoming when you watch him at these events, whether it's the hero, you know, in the Bahamas or playing yesterday, huge crowds follow him. Everybody wants to to get a look and get a glimpse at a guy who was the greatest of his generation and arguably the greatest of all time. Um, but is he kind of becoming that ceremonial golfer that he always said he'd never want to become? Totally. I don't think he is. I don't think he is yet but it's starting to trend in that direction. That's kind of hard to watch. Well, yes, becoming 100%, no question about it in my mind. Uh, when you change becoming to has he become, I don't think he's become one yet necessarily, but 
he's well on his way. I mean, when's the last time the guy was actually competitive on day four of a tournament? I I, I want to say five years ago at the Travelers or whatever it no, was. No, not the he almost he's never won. Played, he's never played the Travelers. Um, what, but I, I, what, I know what you're talking about, but it wasn't. It what wasn't tournament was it? After, I think it was three surgeries ago, he had come back and built himself up. You laugh. I'm being serious, though. I, I, I really do think it was three surgeries major surgeries ago. ago. Uh, it was the one right before he crashed uh, at the Genesis and had to get his leg rebuilt. It was the it was the injury oh, it was before, right before that. before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking he about. He came back. He was like, I, I want to say he was top five heading into the last day. And that was really kind of sort of like 2016, 17 was really the last time, at least to me, it felt like, all right, Tiger's got a shot. He's dangerous. Uh, and, and, you know, since then we've had the handoff to Scotty and, and to all these other great young golfers that we have on the tour today. And, you know, I, again, I said this the other day, Jason, we were breaking down uh, the tournament out there at Riviera, but it's just hard for me to see what we're seeing with Tiger Woods and the fanfare and the specialty prop markets and this, that, and the third, when you've got incredible young talent still on the tour, which is what the PGA tour needs to be blowing up right now and pitching and selling to everyone in the midst of this whole live controversy. It almost feels like they're using him to bridge the gap between the old generation and the new generation. You've got like you've got, but it, but Sam here's Burns. but here's but here's what makes it a good bridge, and here's where I'll disagree with you. I'll guarantee you the numbers from a ratings perspective were up yesterday, and I'll guarantee you the crowds are massive out at Riviera. So from that perspective, it's successful. I'm not saying it's right, you know. It's almost like they're kind of using them in that regard, um, but that's what it is to me. Go quick. It's it's successful. It's not sustainable. That's a, that's a, I think that's a fair point. Uh, something to consider is right around the corner next. Hi, friends. Richard Karn here. Now, I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So, do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. That's 800-394-8109. this Friday edition of the show. Checks notes. Friday edition of the show. Uh, Odds and ends right around the corner. But first, something to consider. Are the Golden State Warriors back? They are a play-in tournament team. They have won seven of their last eight. They should have beaten the Clippers the other night. They outplayed them for basically 42 minutes 
and then fell apart late. Um, a game, a game in which, and it should be mentioned in in the context of what we're about to talk about here. Clay Thompson was abysmal, and now he's coming off the bench for the Golden State Warriors. And you could see it's uh, look the 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 man's pride has been bruised, his ego has been bruised, and I, I don't think anybody can blame him. He's been taking incoming from left, right, and all other directions. He came off the bench for 35 last night uh, in a win on the road against the Utah Jazz. And I said it before the season started. If everything broke right for the Warriors, they could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. I wouldn't want to have to play them in an opening round series if I'm Denver or I'm Minnesota. I think they can beat a Minnesota or an Oklahoma City. I really do. Because I still need to see those teams get over the hump that young teams have to get over of winning in the postseason. And if you get Chris Paul back and can get him healthy enough where he could be a contributor, they got Gary Payton the second back, and he's starting to to pay some dividends. Look at Sam. He's chomping at the bit. Look at him. Oh, my God. He's like a, he's like a caged lion. If we open up the door, what's going to happen? Look at him. Look at him. Oh, my goodness. So many things. I've never so many seen things. you. It's I've all never... happening all at once. <laughs> I, I like want to take each little part and break it down. Okay. We'll start. We'll start at the beginning. Unlike I like to do. I like I'm going to start at the da, end. Da, 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 we'll da. start at the beginning here. Yeah. If I'm the Nuggets, this is the exact team I want to play in the first round. First of all, defending NBA champions have shown that with the young team that they have, they can win in the postseason when it matters. And the Golden State Warriors are lost. Like, they've won seven of eight, sure. But like you said, Clay Clay Thompson, 35 off the bench on Thursday night. Very impressive. Wonderful. More important part, Clay Thompson is coming off the bench. I repeat, Clay Thompson yes. coming off the bench. Something we haven't 35. seen him do since he was injured in the playoffs. Something he hasn't done regularly since his rookie season. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, your first game off the bench in the NBA, it's not that hard when you're a regular starter to come in and drop 35 because now all of a sudden you're playing against a bench unit. When all season, you've been playing against the starters. So naturally, worse defense. Now, to the other point, the Golden State Warriors on the whole, there is no hope for this team. Uh, there I is listen, a reason. I'm with you. I've been saying it all year, but they're starting to put it there, together. There's a reason that earlier this week, I, I forget what day it was, they all seem to blend together this time of year. We got the report that there was talks between the Lakers and Warriors mm-hmm. about LeBron maybe joining up with Steph and who knows Oh my goodness. Do you understand how bad of a place you have to be in as a franchise Mm. to talk about the greatest player in your franchise's history, potentially being involved in any capacity in a trade? It's horrible. The the Warriors are in such a bad place right now. I don't know how they get out of it. Say this for Clay Thompson. Come on, play. Oh, it's not going to (sighs) play. Because he's not on fire. He's on fire! There you go. See? There you go. Brought a little NBA jams into Friday's show. 
Um, guess who's not on fire? <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is not on fire. Something to consider. How do you take performance-enhancing drugs and still manage to not ever be able to stay healthy in your entire life? That's what we're left to wonder when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. The story today, uh, Jimmy G being suspended for two games by the NFL uh, for violating the league's performance-enhancing drugs policy. <laughs> I, I think he should get his money back from whoever he bought him from. Because because if you're, I mean, look, if you're taking performance-enhancing drugs and you still can't stay on the field, what are you really enhancing at the end of the day? It's said to be related to Garoppolo using a prescribed medication without having a valid therapeutic use exemption from the league. He's not going to appeal the suspension. Why would he? It's not like he's playing anyway. And he'll miss the first two games and probably more of the 2024 season, but he's not expected to be with the Raiders, according to... uh, Adam Schefter reporting on it for ESPN. Just can't make it up, man. Yeah, so the Raiders are going to cut him when the new league year starts. Mm. I, this is my thing on that, and I know we're up against it, so I won't sure. be long with this. I promise it's a very short statement. Brock Purdy, take a clear look. That's the road you're headed down, son. <laughs> no, come on. Why Why is it always got to be about taking jabs at Brock Purdy on a day where Jimmy G gets busted for using some type of uh, PED? Rather than pay the it's roster. J- I'm, you're yeah. talking about Jimmy G. We got to talk about Jimmy Jr., right? Like, Not come on. Jimmy Jr. The Raiders are expected to release Garoppolo, according to Shefty, um, for the fifth day of the new league year in mid-March. It's when he'd get an $11 million roster bonus. Don't cry for Jimmy G. He's made enough money to do not all that much here over the last couple of years. Got rings, too. Got rings. That's right. He does have rings. Got bling. Uh, Sam does not have bling. Hey, Sam, have a good weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Jimmy Garoppolo, Hall of Fame? (laughs) Odds and ends are next. All right, just about time to put the wraps on this baby for the week. Once again, a reminder, uh, if you are somebody that only gets the show on your local station or regional sports network, uh, cable outlet, wherever you get us, if they don't carry the show every day, you can still watch us every day. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page podcast vodcast is available. Uh, It's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Play, iHeartRadio, you name it. Uh, just go and look for it. It's very simple. Subscribe, and you'll have access to the show anytime you need it. We put it up usually every day. Once in a while, we might um, have an issue that prevents us from putting it up. But usually every day, you can get the podcast and vodcast version of the show. I would encourage you to go and check it out. All right. Without any further delay, time for odds. And ends. Um, end of the week, I need a positive story. I need something to make me smile because this story out of Kansas City this week has been tough for all of us that that cover sports, that cover the news, whatever it may be. Um, we all know that one person tragically lost their life in the shootings 
following the Chiefs parade. A shooting which, by the way, as of now, looks like it wasn't anything terrorist-related. It sounds like it was a dispute between some people that that turned into gunshots. We already know that one person uh, of the two that are still being held by police is underage. And it's one of those things that just leaves you scratching your head. What are underage... What are, un, what are children, teenagers, basically doing with guns? Like, you're not old enough to even serve in the military or any of this stuff. And you know, it, and it's just allowed to happen, and we just accept it as normal. Mind-blowing. But it continues to happen um, every day in this country in states where you have lax gun laws and people that are wrapping themselves up in the Second Amendment and misconstruing what that Second Amendment really was meant for. Um, the governor of, of Missouri, look, I'll say it. The dude's got blood on his hands for the lax gun laws that he has put into place in that state. And I don't say that lightly. And it's not even just in terms of this incident, but every incident of gun violence that can be avoided. Um, people are losing their lives every day due to gun violence in America. Make of that what you will. Um, Taylor Swift, hats off to her. She has donated $100,000 to the family of the woman who lost her life on Wednesday uh, in that senseless tragedy. Okay. Um, To something a little different. Tom Brady. We've all noticed how thin he's been. The last year that he played with the Buccaneers, it was something that we noticed. And... It's something that continues to be prevalent. His face is much thinner, and a lot of people have been asking why. Well, Tom Brady has made it very clear why he's so much thinner, because he's not playing football anymore. And you see this in a lot of players today. And I was kind of obsessed with it in his final season, and a lot of people said it was depression, it was the divorce that was underway, a lot of people talked about that. But apparently, Brady's dedication to staying in really good shape um, really hasn't stopped. He told People Magazine his diet post-NFL isn't so different from when he played. Says he's still staying away from consuming things like sugar, dairy, caffeine, and iodized salt. <laughs> Those are everything. That's everything I take in. It makes sense why I look like this and he looks like that. Um, he says, I think it's just trying to make healthy choices that allow me to live the life I want to live. I've developed so many healthy habits. I just want to stick with them. Uh, last but not least, Stephen A. Smith. Oh, the dude got hurt. He got busted up. <laughs> he had to talk about it today on first take. Take a listen. Eminem, because I'm not even talking to Molly Q. I don't even want to talk to her. I ain't talking to her for the rest of the way. I'm done with her, okay? Yo, man, I'm on this. I'm, listen, they had to practice last night, and Shannon didn't show up. You understand? So I go there because I got to scout my team because I got to see who I'm going to play and who I'm going to put on the bench because I'm not losing this game tonight, okay? And the next thing you know, that damn Micah Parsons is on the basketball court acting like he's trying to sack quarterbacks and stuff and, and pushing <laughs> people around. So after that, so after that, they were, sit, they were sitting up there and he and I were shooting around, shooting, shooting against one another, and it was some sweat on the floor. And I literally is about to pull, I was about to just pull up, just shooting, 
I literally bust my ass. I mean, I mean, feet flying in the air. They were, bam! You understand what I'm saying? I got up. I mean, it was like I was sliding. It was like I was so sliding in the third base or something. You can't go sweat on the floor. No, no, no. You can't use sweat on the floor, Stephen A. It's great. It's just great. Um, I would be willing to pay for anybody who has this video, by the way, of Stephen A. Smith feet up in the air, going down, trying to cross over Micah Parsons. There's got to be video somewhere, right? Uh, NBA celebrity game tonight. Uh, over on ESPN. Make sure to check that out. It's going to do it for us on this Friday edition of the show. So glad that you've been with us all week long. Thank you to our guests. Make sure to check out the weekend show if it's available in your area. And if not, like I said, just go and subscribe to the podcast vodcast sports wrap with Jason page over on whatever platform it is you get your podcasts thanks to tino patino for hanging out with us today also thank you to sammy arnell i'm jason page we'll see you back here on monday for sports wrap